welcome to a special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today, David Forrest. David, are you well? I am well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to talking about the, the biggest derby in Glasgow. Absolutely. And joining us to talk about the biggest derby in Glasgow is Queen's Park fan and maybe friend of the show, maybe enemy of the show after his last appearance, Duncan Rayburn. Duncan, how are you? And would you like to issue an apology for your, your comments you made last time you were on about Brian Graham? Uh, I would not. And if anything, his recent performances have uh, me to hate him even more. But I suppose that's probably a good thing for you. Fair enough. Right, we'll, we'll revisit that maybe off air. We recorded with Robbie Copeland last month an episode about Falkirk. We spoke about encounters between the two sides, notable players to play for the two sides. That episode went down quite well, so we're going to do that about every league team every month this season. And we're starting off with Queen's Park, who we're going to be playing this weekend. So that's why we've got Queen's Park fan Duncan Rayburn on. Duncan, we'll start with you then. Do you want to kick us off with a notable fixture between the two sides? Maybe one that you enjoyed from a Queen's Park persuasion. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, um, just going back to kind of this time last season, because there's not many going back <laughs> really far into the past. Uh, the 3-2 win, uh, all will be for us. Uh, I like to pick because, again, sometime last season, we just come off a devastating collapse against Air. I just just discovered Diplak and Yemi. And uh, I'm pretty sure Thistle were doing pretty well at that point. I think he'd been Dundee and he looked like uh, favourites, if I, I may be remembering wrongly there. No, yeah, that's I think probably we were, fair. We were top of the league. I think we'd drawn against Hamilton the week after, but I think optimism was a pretty high level. And I'm just looking at our team as well, and it's a it's a strong-looking team on paper. So, yeah, you'd, you'd be right, Duncan. We're probably our favourites going at that game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was expecting it happen, and I thought, you know, I mean, our first, I think our first game in the championship was a 1-1 draw against Everness. I thought, I might be all right, but after the air collapse, it was a, a bit of a worry. Then we might just be dropping straight back out. Um, but we came in, it was an absolutely like, roasting day, not a lot like this summer, the, the time when we had actual sun. And it was like the exactly, just exactly the kind of needed, game needed to like soothe the fears. It was like kind of close in the scoring at the end. I we did really well though against I get a, a very strong Thistle team I think more importantly it was uh, Mal Boateng's first game so uh, it was just like he was the exact like kind of missing cog I think we needed to have a good well three quarters of the season and uh, just right and all right Murray getting off the mark I think it might be his only goal against Thistle and um, Tommy Robson scoring as he would <laughs> in the two other games against Thistle and, and turning I think it was it's Akinola he absolutely turns for the second goal. It was nah, a brilliant day. We'll definitely not be inviting you back on the podcast if you bring up Simon Murray's goals against Thistle. But you're right about Akinola. That was the sort of beginning, well, not the beginning. That was the middle of the end of Akinola. He had a sort of prolonged uh, death to his Thistle career. And that, that game was really, I think at the start of the new season, we thought, because he tailed off just at the end of the, the season before, after a really promising start to his Thistle career, and we thought maybe this summer he'll come back. The player we, we recognised from the first half of, the, of his debut campaign in Maryhill, and yeah, he got bodied really by by Murray in this game, and he, he couldn't cope. And I don't think I can really feature too much after that. David, I don't know if you've got any more memories of this game. I, as you said, Akinola, really the... The, the seams were starting to show for Akinola by this point, where you, you kind of foresaw it wasn't going to turn round and he was in the downward slope and I think we were just we were really quite poor I think that 
it was quite a winning game for us because I think it just showed that Queen's Park absolutely deserved to win and they had our number. It wasn't a lucky win or anything like that. And I mean, Tommy Robson scored him for Christ's sake. I was, it's like honestly a running joke of us that we always like have a, an ex-player concede against us. And when we seen Tommy Robson, I think me and you literally made the joke that Tommy Robson has scored against us. And then sure enough, he did in about every game. From now, from now, from then until ad infinitum, uh, he will continue to score for Queen's Park against us because I think it's just very funny. Well, it's uh, we need to we need to call a meeting of like the FIS alumni and just a moratorium on banter ex-player goals because it's just it's out of control. And Tommy Robinson was a proper there was a low point in that. Well. He scored in the 4-0 defeat, which I'm going to speak about as, as one of the, the low points of this fixture from a Thistle point of view, so I might as well speak about it now. He opened the scoring in that game. Uh, that was in October at Farhill last season. And then, well, Aaron Muirhead missed a first-half penalty. And if I remember the game correctly, I think we actually did all right in that until Queen's Park went 2-0 up. We were probably the better team. Muirhead missed the penalty. And then Queen's Park sort of blew us away and... When we played Queen's Park for the third time this season, I think Rhys Haldane of this parish uh, committed that if Tommy Robson scored for a third successive game, he would not appear on the draw loser draw airwaves again. Duncan, what are the, what's Tommy Robson's um, reputation like amongst Queen's Park fans? Because I think he was a player that you couldn't fault his effort, but he, he played for us under Gary Caldwell. It was a tough time. He wasn't really rated by Thistle fans. I wouldn't say he was a figure of ridicule, but he was he was closer to that than a, anything close to a, a cult icon, which he, he maybe might be at Queen's Park. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I think he's certainly held in very high regard. I mean, I was thinking recently, you know, he must be the only player I left over from like um, when we first turned full-time in League 2, and Ray McKinnon basically brought in a bunch of his ex-players. Most of them have been like turfed out because they were a means to an end I think it kind of speaks to Tony Robson I think Jack Thompson is the only other one as well that he's kind of kept on and um, just like been consistently developing uh, each season I kind of I think even kind of understood when he was coming to us in League 2 I think both Thistle and uh, Falkirk fans were saying that, that again the usual term of, he'd do a job down in that league but he wouldn't really continue but he's been I mean he was fantastic for us that championship season he just seemed to come on leaps and bounds at, I think he's what, 28 so pretty much a senior figure at this point and we've got a new left back coming through and Cammy Bruce looks very exciting but the last couple of games Tommy's after a kind of poor league cup form like started again and looked brilliant compared to last season because I think at the end of last season he was switched away Don Thomas was switched away from his side so he looked like he lost it a bit but again seems to be coming back into it now and he's you know Got the captain's armband for a bit and looks like a like a maybe here for a while. I remember this game quite well. I'll come back to you to speak about the game in general, Duncan, because I remember meeting you after the game and you were in a very smug mood uh, out in the West End that night. David, what are your memories of this one? Uh, another tough day at the office. And I get maybe this was the sort of McCall era starting to creak. I know he went on for a few months after this, but I think this was a shock to the system, this game. Yeah, if I'm right, I believe this was around about. Our, I think it was like eight and ten losses stretch after the Aberdeen game, or around about then. And I think it was kind of, it, it, as you say, we actually played quite decently until it went to 2-0. I think the first half we, we played really well and we missed a penalty. We, we probably deserved a goal from our performance in the first half. But at that point, we were literally so fragile mentally we just crumbled when the second one went in. And it wasn't the only time it happened. It happened to Aberdeen, it happened various times. 
uh, throughout that run of we could hang in, but once it went to like 2-0, we were done and you just saw no hold back. And then it was up to 4-0. It was a terrible day at the office. It was also kind of like, I mean, we'll probably talk later about sort of the relationship between Thistle and Queen's Park and how it's evolved over the years. But that was a real wake-up call of, at the time, I mean, I think we had the Jags Foundation on. They they had a, the great fear that we might end up being the fourth team in Glasgow because Queen's Park are on our tails. And it was kind of to be defeated twice in succession and so comfortably the second time. It was a real grim day. Not great. Yeah, this was the first game after the Aberdeen Cup tie where we, we suffered a few injuries. I don't think anyone was really panicking after the Aberdeen Cup tie because I think you got to a Premiership team and, and you get done by a few goals. That can happen. But we lost Kevin Holt and Ross Doherty that night. But I don't think people were massively concerned because at that point of the season, I think there was still chat about how good our squad was. But you look at the team that started this day, Jack McMillan's ended up starting at centre-back with Darren Brownlee and Tunjak and all on the bench. So that was a sort of measure of where Ian McCall's confidence was in those two centre-backs. Lee Hodson started at right back and he's went off injured at half-time, which meant Darren Brownlee came on. I remember Darren Brownlee looking way off the pace that day. That was when Darren Brown was really struggling for, for fitness and confidence. Cole McKinnon played in midfield. That was one of his last starts. Scott Tiffany went off injured early in the second half and it was still 1-0. So we don't have, we don't have a threadbare squad because we've named a full, a full bench, with it, albeit with a few kids in it, but we are missing some some big names in that team. And that was really the start of, I'd say the start of the end for Ian McCall, that sort of time when we, we were struggling in the... The autumn. So Duncan, from a Queen's Park point of view, this was probably one of the, the best games of your uh, first season in the Championship in a good long while. What are your memories of this day? Yeah, uh, it was great. It was actually, I was I was torn between that and the, the game I eventually picked. And I, I mean, I think I, I just didn't because um, it was not much more to say other than it was fun. And it also gave me memories of the uh, next 4-0 at Far Hill, which um, <laughs> I was maybe speaking about earlier. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. Well, I think Thistle started definitely the better team, uh, missed the penalty. And I actually, I missed the, the first goal because I went to the toilet. And then as soon as I, I heard the cheer, I just assumed it was like Thistle. So I think I said to the first QP fan that came in, it's like, oh, that is done already. And he went, no, it's, it's us. We, we've the score. And I was completely shocked. Considering we, I mean, we didn't look sticking up until that point, but Thistle definitely like they were going to continue their kind of favourites form. And yeah, then we just went out and it seemed to, I mean, both, I think all the matches last season between QP and Thistle seemed to be very much a kind of uh, confidence game of whoever scored first, just kind of, the other team just kind of fell back, lost that kind of high intensity and then immediately like were open to getting slaughtered, um, which is kind of for this time we did. I mean, even Stephen Eze, may rest in peace, scored and Josh Pake, McPake did his usual goal before everyone figured it out. But on the day it was, yeah brilliant part of a big confidence boost and wave we were at that point in the season. David, we'll come to you for your game then, uh, your game that's not a, a favourable one in Thistle history. No, so um, I looked, I, I, had to, I decided between two. The one I went for was, strangely, it was um, Thistle Colts won, Queen's Park won in the Iron Brew Cup from 2016. I, I remember I went to quite a few, I think we played four times in the Iron Brew Cup as the Colts and they're actually quite good games. We had, uh, uh, you know, players in there like Andrew McCarthy and 
uh, Neil McLaughlin, who I quite rated in the James Penrice is there and Kevin Nisbet as well. We'd beaten Clyde 5-0 in the first round. Uh, an absolutely fantastic day that saw Barry Ferguson get um, accosted in the car park by a Clyde fan as he screamed, you don't know what this means, this is Patrick Thistle. Um, as our under-20s put five past them, it was honestly one of the best days. So, you know, spirits were high amongst me and the other four Patrick Thistle Colts fans that went to see them. And the game wasn't very good. Um, it was one each and it went to penalties. We'd also played Queen's Park a couple of weeks before in the League Cup. So it was kind of like a, a triple header of Glasgow derbies in the space of about two weeks, if you count Clyde as a Glasgow derby. It was weird. And we, our goal scorer was Matthew McMullen. Math, Matt, any any recollections of Matthew McMullen? Nope. No, I, I honestly, you could have put a gun to my head and I would never have known who scored this. But we just weren't very good and Queen's Park uh, won in penalties and it was just kind of, there was a a collective, I think, groan around the ground when they realised it was going to penalties that we had to stay longer. But yeah, it was one each. Queen's Park won in penalties and um, yeah, our Challenge Cup adventure was over for another year. Any memories of that one, Duncan? I won't lie. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> nope. uh, much like most Challenge Cup games uh, that didn't involve going to another country. Uh, but I will say, uh, I'm, I'm forgot it was uh, the Iron Brew Cup at one point. I just, like, I just remember those glories when they actually had proper, proper advertising. You've, you've come on here, you've given it the, the Simon Murray part of your boasting about getting draws away to Wales and Northern Ireland and the, the Challenge Cup. We're, we're not having you back on. Uh, this is maybe a good time to have a pause in between uh, good games and bad games for both clubs to, to, to talk about your shirt sponsor and your shirts this season. Do you like your new kits, Duncan? And uh, how... How much of a difference do you think not having Iron Brew makes in a Queen's Park kit? Uh, on the on the shirts, they are absolutely heinous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could point to a lot of things that have uh, gone wrong off the pitch for Queen's Park recently. And, you know, probably like, the whole stuff with the stadium is longer term, technically worse. But for me, it's just every time I have to see that new home kit, it turns me into a pure raging doubt of saying, like, that's not proper QP shirt. But it's not, it's not even hoops. They're stripes on like a template film kit it's absolutely terrible i can kind of actually i can forgive though i, I do love the old iron brew sponsors i can forgive them going i didn't mind the shirt last season where we had the uh, scots or whatever it was because it was just as long as it's got those one inch <laughs> black hoops all right i'm fine and you can go crazy on the away shirts as we have done but uh no this is uh, absolutely heinous for me, I think the problem is, and like, it's one of those things, I think we feared the same for our kit and um, the sponsor. The sponsor's blue, right? It doesn't work. Like, if, if, if it was black and white shirt with red sort of trim, same, like, the red's the black and our shirt for, for use, like, it doesn't it doesn't fit the shirt. If, if the sponsor was in red, it might have looked a little bit better, but it's not. And, yeah, I think it's just one of those, I think that, you know, sponsors are a bit too keen to just plaster their logo without any sort of integration into the shirt. Because Iron Brew were really, really good at that. I've I've got a couple of uh, QP shirts from a good few years ago, and uh, the, Iron Brew, the Iron Brew logo always looks really, really, really good on it. And I think that, yeah, they've just completely ruined it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, if, I mean, they even did kits for us when they were still sponsoring, which um, one of them still hangs in my closet, like in a way shit, which despite it's like, 
staunch overtones with the blue and orange. <laughs> it's still a, a favourite, but I, and especially, I mean, considering, I don't know, I want to go into who the, the sponsor is uh, for the City Group, and um, but now the City Stadium is it's just a baffling. Like, I, you kind of knew this was coming as soon as, like, you have a sponsorship deal with Adidas, and you're not, like, I mean, even Celtic got kind of burned by it, but if you're not that kind of top club, you're getting a, you're getting a template, and you're just going to have to make do and it's it turned out exactly, exactly how we thought. I think we're quite lucky at the moment with O'Neill's because we are probably one of their like, biggest clients. But I, I totally get you. if you get a, a bigger supplier than that, you you become further down the food chain and uh, you've got a, bit, a little bit less say in the kit. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because the Queen's Park kit, I think, is one of the the best, one of the most like iconic Scottish kits. And when I had the Iron Brew, like, I know kit sponsors aren't for everyone, but I think Iron Brew was an iconic kit sponsor for, for Queen's Park. Those two went very well. And it's a shame to see what's happened happened since. And we will move on to less favourable games for Queen's Park. The, the Thistle fans will be pleased to hear. Duncan, you have a uh, an unfavourable game. I don't really think me and David are going to have two fond memories over this, looking at the team sheets and who was involved. But Duncan, take it away on your game. Um, well, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think for certain names, I don't think anyone's going to have fond memories. But um, yeah, my game is, uh, again, a League Cup uh, in 2019. I think this might be in a kind of middle run of when we were drawn in the, the same groups together when there was still that horrible uh, renealisation of the League Cup groups and we got the same teams every time. And it was uh, Thistle 1-2-1 in 2019. I mean, first off, like even before we get to the football, a big part of why this is my worst game. It was held at the, the Excelsior, or I mean, still the penny, the penny cars then. It was one of the most miserable stadiums on earth. It really is. It really I, is. Having to have played there in 2014 <laughs> when we came club became club 42 and having to spend a whole season there because of the Commonwealth Games was like generally enough to make me fall out of football. It was summer because it was like cut, but unlike the last game, I mentioned it was a miserable day uh, and also I mean Matt might be more of an expert on this it was the worst steak pie I've ever had at a, a football game but a steak pie I had no gravy completely dry I thought maybe a scotch first it was definitely steak it was completely unseasoned other than maybe a smattering of pepper it still gives me nightmares to this I'm really day. sorry to hear that for you that <laughs> sounds tough it is I was very typically airdry put it that way but going on a game it wasn't actually too bad for us. I mean, we were league two at the time, this World Championship. So a 2-1 loss in the, in the front of it might not be seen too bad. And I do, do remember it's like kind of being a typical championship league two game. We competed well. This will still look very comfortable uh, in the 2-1. But I thought it was also quite funny looking at all the goal scorers. Uh, That's funny, the right word. <laughs> I'll start off with Tommy Robson popping up again, scoring the winner. Except for Thistle against QP. <laughs> Quite Tommy a... Robson loves this fixture. A goal and an assist for Possibly. maybe the best life back in Scotland at this point. Possibly. I mean, you know, he's playing for either of his teams and he's like lighting up the pitch. Kenny Miller, who I completely forgot played for Thistle at that point. And also just kind of reminds me that uh, Tommy Robson and Kenny Miller played in the same team at one point, which is just, I, that, that must have been <laughs> Given how that season turned out for you, that, is, that really was some band of years. And also another player for scoring for Queen's Park, whose name um, I don't think I'll mention on this podcast, due to, I don't want to bring you into disrepute, but 
uh, I should say, he's played for QP uh, Thistle, was last playing his game at the Excelsior again before dropping out of the game for reasons that listeners might want to just uh, research on their own. And it was also, it was just the start of like a very, because that was the start of the, the the season COVID cut short season, which I also think was a kind of turning point for both our clubs. As it was like later on, it was the season we started to turn professional, not quite with the, the back and we got during COVID, but definitely like the wheels started to turn. I think it was the season we signed Craig Slater in the winter. And then uh, obviously this were relegated by the conspiracy of Scottish football at the end of it. So. Your word's not mine, but I'm probably <laughs> He's getting with himself you. back inside, Matt. He's getting his... uh, I'm just looking at some of the, the cast in this game. Mark Roberts was the Queen's Park manager at the time. As you say, it was held at an Airdrie, only 944, which I think is a shame. A Glasgow Derby held in the Airdrie and we couldn't get it to a four-figure crowd. That's that's a shame. And for all, like, um, mm. it's competitive now. I'm glad we're getting uh, bigger crowds, hopefully bigger crowds at Hamden this season and we manage at Stenhouse Muir again. It's not a vintage Queen's Park team. I think Willie Muir was a good goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, David Galt, uh, a really good lower league player, and he's been involved with, uh, with the Thistle Charitable Trusts. Alfie Aggieman off the bench for Queen's Park. He scored a very good goal against us a couple of weeks ago for Falkirk. But David, our listeners love a quiz and I'm going to come to you. Can you how many of the seven substitutes that we named this day can you name? Oh my fucking God. Um, so, this is Ganny. Right. Uh, first of all, my abiding memory of this game is I think we were with, maybe with Duncan. But I seem to remember, well, I think Matt, you just turned to me and says, Imagine Duncan right now listening to Enjoy Yourself as his team score <laughs> one back against Gary Caldwell's Patrick Thistle with Kenny Miller running the lines. Kenny Miller, who I'm stunned, did not play for Queen's Park. I just feel like he, he had he like jury duty or something we'd have to turn out for you at some point because he turned out for everybody else. But um, we'll go for substitutes. Oh my God, this is a year we had like 8,000 keepers as well. <laughs> Are three of them keepers? <laughs> uh, there's one goalie. You should get the sub goalie. So was it Jamie Snowden? No. Fucking hell. Was it was it Cammy Bell? No. It was Aaron Lennox. No, you're a season out. So oh fuck. Right, oh fucking hell. Um, is this is it? Always uh, oh, his name. Fucking is it Ryan Scully? No. <laughs> fucking hell. How, just say Torsten Strutman and just put me How have you managed to name every Thistle goalkeeper of the 21st <laughs> century and not name Scott Fox? <laughs> because he was dog shit that season, that's right. why. I'm giving you 20 seconds to name the, the next six. Oh Christ, um, who was up front? Oh my God, I, I've, I've wiped this entire team out of my head. Alec Jones. Yes. Um, Reese Cole. No, I, I think he was a late sign signing that summer. Uh, Mitch Austin was later than that. Um, yeah. Dan Jeffries. Nah, he's now. They were all they were all gone. Uh, I'll give you one more guess. Uh, Erskine. No, yeah, on the bench: Scott Fox, James Penrice, Alex <laughs> Jones, uh, Team of the Years: Lewis Mansell, <laughs> <laughs> Callum Wilson, Evan Galasso, and Bradley Renfrew. Um, Kenny Miller was closer to 40 than 39 during this game and uh, scored after six minutes. He looked every minute of it as well. I think it, it, this is one of his games. I think he just ended up marauding as like a right back. It's for some reason it, it, like halfway through the game. Um, Christ, Kenny Miller. What what were we doing, man? What were we on at this point? An absolute... 
<laughs> Fucking time, isn't it? <laughs> you won. <laughs> but at what cost? David, I'll come to you for your your game next. And I, I would say this is. I thought, I'm surprised you didn't pick this one yourself. Um, it is of course four nil at Oakle View because like it was a it was a great day. Like to be honest, like the the, the first leg, the four three. It was an incredible game. One of the, the best games in which we are going to see. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe not between Fissel and QFP, but we'll get on to that. So you're going into the second leg. I think we were all a wee bit nervous that, you know, QP could, you know, if they get an early goal, um, it could get really tetchy. And as the goals went in, I was with you, Matt. I've never seen you happier in my life. And I was at your wedding. Um, it's <laughs> honestly the best and just the abuse Owen Coyle got looking like pretty much getting binoculars out to try and find Duncan to see if he had left after every goal uh, was beautiful just a fantastic day out Um, and we were such a huge club that they had to like hire extra security and police and they they bought they rented a chip van for the day for us because we were that huge that they had to get extra catering. We were we were brilliant that day, and I think we all thought at that point we're going up. And hopefully tomorrow when we play Ross County in the first leg of the playoff, we can you know go on and maybe we'll be in the Premiership next next week, Matt. Try not to speak, Duncan. What are your memories of this one? Uh, not many, because uh, David may as well put the binoculars away, because I didn't actually attend this game, because I was <laughs> so despondent at this point uh, after seeing us for a whole quarter of the season, fumble and trip while trying to get towards a finish line, while competitors were done to you, people, including that awful final day. The, actually, the last live moment of football I saw this season um, was when I was so flaky, I left when this was 3 not up at Far Hill. And uh, I, <laughs> and I got on the subway to go home, still thinking like, like my phone out of signal, just thinking the absolute worst. Like it's you know, call is going to be gone. Going to have to restart again. And then I got off, my phone buzzes to life. Well, a bunch of texts. So it's like, oh, it's three one, oh, it's three two, oh, it's three three. And you can see my heart's like lifting. It's more like maybe there is hope before that pitch is like no four three last minute winner. And then, you know, at that point, I just like, a, you know, it felt like a cruel joke. And I <laughs> just, I couldn't, and I couldn't even, I couldn't face going to Awful View again, especially after that Dunkey D game. So I just, I gave up and I think I made the better choice by the sense of it. I think you're excused from from avoiding another trip to Awful View. David, we, I, I can't remember if we spoke about this in the podcast or if I kept this to group chats. But what gets me really up for games is when clubs fuck about with tickets. And I'm, I'm going to have a go at Queen's Park here. Since Queen's Park became uh, professional, they've, they've got a little nasty streak, which I don't like. Um, why well, They were fucking about with tickets at the end of last season against Dundee and then against us. They were trying to limit the allocations. And that's when I get the war paint. I, I, I couldn't, well, I say I couldn't kill us. I don't like Rangers, don't like Celtic, don't like Airdrie. Up for them. But see when teams fuck about with tickets, that, they're my derbies. And I fucking loved it when we scudded them. I loved it. The fact Owen Coyle, the man who dropped UC Ascaline in 2012 to relegate Bolton, was standing on the touchline made it even sweeter. A great day out. 
I think we're hearing the real reasons come to the fore at the end. <laughs> oh no! I believe it was the first game at Oakview. View. You actually shouted, "Why did you drop Yaskalainen in 2012, Coil you prick?" Um, at one point. So it was honestly, it was it was a great it was a great day to be, uh, to be with him. I'm gonna lie, and there was no one uh, in my life. And that was also the day. I was also the day Jackie Synagogue was with us, and um, he said to me, "Right, you can't let me get pushed." And I was in Liverpool in the day and drove up, drove up from Liverpool. And I says, right, just don't be pushed by six and I'll make sure you're all right. And it turned up and he was in the biggest state I have ever seen him in his life. And I think he asked you the same question about six times. This was the one where he had to go to the, the, the tournament the next day uh, to qualify for like the world tournament and then get so pushed he missed it. And like didn't qualify and then had to like go to some random tournament somewhere just to like because he only needed to yeah like try to turn up and play one game and then that was him he'd, he'd done it and he got so pissed he forgot about it and he woke up I think he woke up in the in the morning the room was spinning he just went back to sleep and woke up at like half four in the afternoon on Saturday what a day out what a day out actually I believe I ended up in Dow's bar that night doing uh, doing karaoke that was uh, that was a fantastic day out I absolutely loved that but. Actually, I don't think I mentioned this in the pod either, but on the the, the Tuesday or the 4-3 game, what I completely avoided spoilers because it was a Eurovision semi-final. So I went to Eurovision semi-final, shut my phone off and didn't do anything. But I went on to iPlayer and they didn't upload it. So I had to somehow, I managed to get into my my Twitter inbox and message the club and going, um, I can't find it in iPlayer. Can you please put it up in Jagstone for me? And they kindly didn't put any card or anything up for it. They just literally just uploaded it then and go, there it is. It's not really that edited well, but we've done it so you could watch it. So top shout out to the official admin who's always got my back. Um, I'm far better run club than Queen's Park with their weird ticket and things. Um, oh. But, you know, we, you know, it, we haven't all just been bowling clubs for 150 years and then suddenly been brought into the real world. So, you know, <laughs> some, well, some of us have got standards. That, that, that kind of gets to the point. I would just say to um, not, not defend, but say what I think Matt mistook for malice. Uh, Dave Gengar gets the point off for Lockings Park. It's not malice. It's incompetence. It's <laughs> like the SFA. Yeah, no. I mean, they're too, too disorganised to ever be like truly efficiently. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm, I'm keen to have a chat about uh, Queen's Park's current position within Scottish football and how their fans uh, feel about it uh, once we're done going through the matches the players Duncan. So we welcome back to that. Yeah. But it's not out of a place of malice for the fans because I've got a lot of respect for you. I've got a lot of respect for the fans, like the hardcore that's like obviously stuck with you for years uh, when you were in the lower leagues and didn't have much join. It's good to see that you're, you're getting a bit of join the pitch now, but aye, the, the folk making the decisions, uh, get it up them when we scurry G83. You're going to have um, to say it's like 40 minutes for a rant then. then my- <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's right. We've got we've got all the time you need. We have lasted half an hour without mentioning what surely everyone's tuned in for. Queen's Park four, Partick Thistle five in the Ramsden's Cup. And it will always be the Ramsden's Cup. Talking about sponsors. Um I don't even know what's what's sponsoring it this season, but it, it'll always be the Ramsons. Fourth of August twenty twelve. At Hamden, this game was delayed because uh, of a, a large crowd. There was 1,605 inside Hamden that night, and the game was the kickoff was delayed. So that's excellent. Some very notable names in the Queens Park lineup: Ricky Little, ex-Jag, and then Andy Robertson and Lon Shankland of of Scotland cap fame. 
and and some other things. Shangman Dan, <laughs> Dan Little got on the score sheet. Don't know what Robertson was doing, not getting involved in that action. Uh, and for Thistle, you've got Paul Payton, who's played for both both teams. And Aaron Taylor Sinclair, Chris Elliott, Chris Erskine, and Stuart Bannigan got the Jags goals that day. It switches sometimes, but at time of recording, I think that's my favourite Thistle game of all time. David, David, I can't... Were you there? I can't remember if you were there. No, this was... So this was a season I went to a couple of games. I've always said if I could travel back in time to a game and not know the score, it's it's pretty much dead level between this and the 1971 League Cup final. Let's, let's be honest. Like, I remember during lockdown, remember they were showing all the games, they put them on YouTube. And um, yeah. I and they, they showed this one. That was that was the one. That, basically, they were like, Look, "We're not getting the Morton one. You're not getting the James Craig at Morton one." However, have uh, five four at Hamden is honestly the more the most breathtaking game you will see <laughs> from Thistle. I don't think I wasn't there, but I can't think of a game that is more exciting. Obviously, like the Hamilton six 0 and stuff like that. And, you know, absolutely getting up own coil and the, the beaks upstairs at Lesser Hamden, you know, printing the tickets and knowing we won 4-0 was great. But, like, that 5-4 is just an, it's just an amazing game of football. Like, if you don't, I would love to go to it and not know the score. It just honestly feels like the best thing ever. I think it was, like, just the, the perfect storm. Like, there was a lot of buzz around this. So just McNamara had them playing good football. They hadn't been to play competitively at Hamden against Queen's Park since the year of the terrorist attacks in New York this year obligatory uh, 9-11 mentioned and everything was just going so well on the pitch and the way the match unfolded it was an end-to-end game like Queen's Park could have easily won and just the ending for Thistle it was our Aguero moment uh, not long after Aguero had his moment Uh, Duncan from your point of view how big a blow was that for Queen's Park it's obviously the second round of the Challenge Cup so it's not like a a season definer but you know it's a Glasgow a Glasgow derby the teams weren't playing too often at that sort of time how did that feel from a Queen's Park point of view I mean kind of the same I mean obviously like you you want to be kind of winning those games, especially given I think we were ahead at one point and I forgot coming behind. But maybe maybe attempted a bit by the Challenge Cup and it was like a very high uh, stakes game. And I think around the same time, uh, we also kind of, kind of, you know, it's like League Cup win over Dundee, uh, which we can't seem to do nowadays, uh, <laughs> for uh, 2-1, which kind of maybe tempered the blow a bit. Uh, but yeah, uh, a fantastic game. I mean, they kind of like, Going a bit bigger, kind of pivotal seasons for for both teams. I mean, this was this was the start of the the season. You ended up winning the the league, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, for us, I mean, you kind of mentioned uh, the names like obviously Robertson and Shanklin, the big ones. We also have like Aidan Conley, Conley Rayfors, and kind of our uh, QPN Thistle player. I think Blair Spittle was maybe on the bench, or he definitely he kind of came into the team that season. Uh, QP legends like uh, I think he did play in this game. I seem to remember. I think he's he did. Not, at least he made a contribution. The, he's not on the BBC on the BBC website. He's not listed, but it, it figures he'd have been around the squad that time. We're going Thanks. to talk about Blair Spittle a bit later. Okay, well, but I think he did come into us a bit later on the season, much like Aidan Conley. But we also like you know Queen P legends like Longworth and Anderson. And as my fucking most, uns- it was a crime that this team was given to a manager like Gardner Spears. Most unsubstantiated belief is that. Uh, if this had been given to a semi-competent manager, we would have beat Rangers to the third division title that season. Keep in mind, this was a Rangers team that included Ian Black in the centre. <laughs> wow. 
But yeah, but I mean, yeah, well, I mean, including like running a very good Thistle team course in this game and the Dundee Mids, it was, uh, you know, very high octane uh, that season and the kind of high scoring games we've kind of got used to with QP Thistle now. Well, me and you, Duncan, we are Doctor Who fans. We're trying to get David into Doctor Who on the podcast, but um, nice. if we get a TARDIS, that, that 2012 will be the first port of call. We get David into Hamden to see to see this game, and then right at the end, we we eliminate Gardner Spears, not kill him, just just take take him in a room and tell him he's unemployed, and appoint a competent manager, and see how the the then Division Three title race goes. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Now, it's a very good Queens Park team as well. I said to you, Duncan, when we were going to do this podcast, that I don't worry, so it won't be half an hour. We're 40 minutes into the recording. We're not even halfway through yet. I hope nobody's got any plans uh, at 10pm on, on Wednesday evening. We're going to talk about players who have played for both teams. While we're on this 4-5 game, Duncan, what, how is Paul Payton regarded amongst Queen's Park fans? Still pretty good. Uh, I know he's very controversial uh, amongst us fans. And if, I mean, since then, he's still, I think he's still playing, isn't he? I think the the last I saw of him um, was when we were in that awful League One season where we drew a bunch of games 1-1 and he was playing for Dumbarton, I believe, and he nearly threw Louis Longstaff, now ICT star, over an advertising board, basically. But <laughs> even despite that, yeah, well loved for the 06-07 season under Billy Stark, which we might get into later with another player. Um, and I believe, I mean, I still have a, a coffee mug with him, which records his like brilliant one of my favourite ever goals in those 06 07 playoffs which I think you might have given me that uh, against these five. I mean that was like a four yard or so yeah despite despite the controversy among other clubs and the reputation he's got he's still still beloved here I think he's respected for how far his performances on the pitch because he played an integral part to us winning the league but he's acting a bit of a fud off it and then on it again when he came back to for how but I think there's a sort of begrudging almost pantomime villain aspect to it I think he's definitely the kind of player that when he's playing for you, you kind of love him being yeah. a bit of a, a, a bastard. <laughs> anyway, we're going to speak about players who have played for both teams with varying degrees of success. So, Duncan, do you want to kick us off with with one who's maybe a success story at Queen's Park? Uh, yeah, well, uh, going back to that 06-07 season, I'm going for uh, Paul Kearney, which, I mean, you saying that, I don't know if you guys actually remember much about this guy. Um, but I think he did play fairly regularly for Thistle. Um, yeah, I mean, he was part of our 06-07 squad uh, immediately. Like, very well, he's one of the, I think he was one of the kind of favourite players off of that, probably maybe maybe the most expected to go on to do well. And the kind of like, he was a midfielder who just like had those attributes that like fans love. Like, he was a flair player, very skillful, loved to score a free kick. Um, there may have been like technical players who went on to have better, more solid careers, but he was like, you know, the, the kind of, the, the flair guy, the the star. Go and move to Thistle. Seemed to kind of not get too much game time at first. Came down to us on loan again uh, and kind of got us another season in then Division 2, just kind of on his own, which, well, maybe not on his own, but definitely very much contributed to that, which kind of cemented him as a, well, one of my favourite players anyway. And then I seem, I, I got, I've gone off as like, um, his Wikipedia page and vague memories here, but he seemed to get, I thought, quite a lot of time at Thistle and quite a lot of game time um, in the kind of maybe the years just before 2012-2013. No, definitely he was one of the one of the better players in the the season before that and in, in the early McNamara era for how and he got, he got a hat trick and his last goals for the club were a hat trick at a three 0 win at, at Dundee 
I think he was a, like he was a scorer of great goals rather than a, a great goal scorer, okay. and ended up getting a, a very decent move to Hibs. So he would have been involved in the title winning team, definitely. Yeah, okay. I mean that's that's kind of well. I mean, for going on to his, his maybe his, his downsides, obviously he was not maybe not a most consistent player, but when he turned it on, he could like he was very much like kind of unplayable. Uh, got that move to Hibs, seemed to start well. I think he scored against Celtic. Um, and then he just like kind of declined, and he, he apparently he fit maybe very well into that Hibs culture player, especially back then. Um, well, maybe maybe Ryden and O'Connor a bit before, but he was you know a party boy off the pitch, and he just kind of slid and declined down the leagues just because that never seemed to quite fit in anywhere or try maybe as as he could. And I think the, the last I saw of him, I looked up is uh, he got a one game for Albion Rovers in 2020. And there's an accompanying article in the Daily Record where for some reason he's holding his boots up to his face in the picture. He's looking definitely a bit bigger. Um, and uh, he's asking, I'm so glad Albion Rovers gave me a chance because I may be blacklisted from football, which is an interesting take. I think he's got, you look at his career on Wiki and he's been to a lot of really decent sized clubs in Scottish football. But then you look at the years he's been at them and he's just been in the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. He obviously had a decent time at well, a very decent time at Thistle, but if he had him about an extra year, that would have probably benefited him. He's gone to Hibs at the wrong time. He was involved in their relegation and he's ended up at Kilmarnock when when they were struggling. And then as you say, yeah, a bit of a, a sad decline down the leagues. But we get several decent years out of him and by the sense of it you did too. Yeah, absolutely. Still like one of my favourite players from from that time, maybe along with the other Paul uh, Peyton. And he just kinda reminds me of that. I mean, going back to that, that kind of hibs of O'Connor and Ryder, you think is that one of the last of those kind of players you got back then in Scottish football, like young guys with bags of talent who just, if they had that bit more consistency, if they had that uh, better like training, a bit of like uh, discipline off the pitch, could have been like great, but they just kind of got sucked into that whole of like partying and booze. David, uh, you're a notable player to play for both. Yes, yeah, so my uh, notable player, I had to go through the the archives a little bit it's a bit of an elephant's graveyard going through that list on Thistle Archive I'm not going to lie um, but I went way 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 back to the 1880s and chose uh, Willie Paul who is probably one of, I believe he is the second top goal scorer in the history of Thistle he scored like 247 odd goals played with us for over like over spanning three decades from the 1880s all the way through to the 1900s he played for Queen's Park as but when Queen's Park were, you know, as, as Duncan will be able to attest, they probably were the best team in the world at the time. They invented the, the passing game. They done so many firsts in football at the time. And Willie Paul played for Thistle, but he would turn out for Queen's Park on, on occasion. They tried to court him, try to move him away from Thistle, but... He never, he, he never took to it. He just, he, he played the odd game, but he never actually left Fizzle to sign with Queen's Park fully. And I mean, I was reading on the Fizzle archive and stuff of like that about him and the sort of reverence he was held amongst Fizzle and the general footballing circles at the time. Um, he's one of our greatest ever players that no one ever really knows. The only time you ever hear about him is when Michael Max is being quizzed on trivia on the commentary. But yeah, an absolutely incredible player for us at the time and a player so good that Queen's Park wanted him, but he wouldn't go. As you say, David, the, the Thistle Archive page on him is fascinating. I've not 
Uh, I don't think I've, maybe every goal is accounted for. I've not counted every hat trick, but I've counted five occasions we scored four goals in a single game, and one occasion where we get five goals in a, a single game. I was talking about uh, how I'm obsessed with animals fighting each other on a on a recent podcast, and I note here he's he's six foot two. So David, I'm going to ask you again. We might need a TARDIS to make this happen, but who who's winning in a fight between Willie Paul and Erling Haaland? Oh, um, I, I'd say Willie Paul. He's you know back then you know it was amateur players. You know these guys. These were boys who were trade. You know they they went out and they worked in the day and then they they played football afterwards. These are proper men instead of like Erling Haaland, weird alien experiment that had gone wrong. Um, no, uh, Willie Paul would batter Haaland. No bother. Duncan, I know you're you're definitely older than me. Can, can you remember Willie Paul playing for Queens Park at all? Uh, you know, no, not quite. I don't think in those five days uh, older than you, whoever it is, um, he just retired or anything. But I'm very grateful for David bringing up anything to get a wee bit of blurb and a player from the 1800s and uh, get that pioneers of the game stuff in there uh, with like guys who score like six goals and are disappointed the goal near. So definitely, definitely sounds like a, a character. Definitely. Yeah, I'm going to speak about... Blair Spittle, um, we spoke about him a bit earlier. I, th- I think I might have been the minority where I really didn't rate him in his first spell at Hill. He's another one that was probably at the wrong, the wrong club at the wrong time. I didn't think he was great in the 17-18 the season in the Premiership when we were relegated. He, he was another one who was a scorer of great goals. And I think that's maybe why he got a, he was like maybe looked on a bit favourably with fans. I think you look at him now and he's enjoying a successful career in the Premiership. I think he'd be a good player and a, and a confident team, and that's probably where his downfall was. Because I think when we signed him back in League One, obviously that's at a lower level, but we were playing a little bit more confidence. He did look more comfortable, more confident in the team. But I remember some of the games in the, the championship season when we were really struggling, I thought he was poor. I remember East Fife away in the when we lost to East Fife in the League Cup. He, I think he came off the bit. He might have come off the bench, but he came definitely playing in the second half. And we had a throw in, and he just hid. I can't remember. I, might, I can't remember who was taking the throw in, but he was looking for options. And he, he looked straight at Blair Spitter and Blair Spitter just moved behind an opposition defender not to get the ball, and that really sort of summed him up for me. I, I didn't think he was a, a player for the, the fight, but as I say, you look at him now and he's playing well on a confident team. So I don't think it's a question of of ability. Obviously, he had lots of ability, lots of football ability, but again. Uh, a player at the wrong club at the wrong time for his sort of his character. But do you have fonder memories of Blair Spitler in a Queen's Park jersey than I do in a Thistle one? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he came through that kind of crop of young players that came up through like yeah, Robertson, Shankland, you know. But because he came in, he came in later in the season along with kind of Aidan Connolly, like not right at the start like Shankland Robson. So I think he, he actually kind of missed. Uh, the usual raids that happened on us every time we had a, a decent player, like Robertson was taken to United, Shankland was taken to Aberdeen, I believe, and uh, even Aidan Connolly got a move to United, though he hadn't played that much just because his, his dad had a connection. So Spittle was actually the only one kind of left with us uh, for the next season, uh, where Gardner Spearside really started to show himself and start to slide down the league. So, I mean, he was in a tough team then, but even he, he just managed to, like I said, turn it on, some great goals. Different level to what was at Thistle, obviously, but he just like seemed like completely out of place in a very turgid side because every time he get it, he looked electric. They dance fast players, 
maybe not the most physical, um, but can, can, can definitely like slot on, especially from a free kick. Uh, and I'm I'm, just, I'm glad to see he's doing well now because he seemed to be a struggle with Fissel a bit. I believe he was maybe somewhere else before Malibu's or Ross County, wasn't it? Where he, he, it. Does, he, he does seem that kind of player where when when teams are like doing well, he's brilliant. He's one of the best. And they're like, you know, struggling and maybe playing a wee bit more defensive. I'm not what I'm saying this aware at that, that time. But um, um, on the back foot, he's maybe a bit of a luxury. But yeah, as yeah, I think Motherwell can attest now, he can, he can, he's still got it. David, I'm going to come to you for a double whammy to get your, your thoughts on Spittle. But I believe you want to speak about a, another player maybe in a similar vein who's played for both. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah, well, uh, Blair Spittle. My my abiding memory is we used to in like in the championship season. We'd obviously that was when we started going to games, sort of semi regularly together. And some of the corner kicks he would hit were so bad. It just like we we used to have a running joke when he would go to do a corner kick, will it go out for a goal kick immediately? And like we had a good we had a, had a good hit rate with that. But then I remember the Ross County game in the League Cup where um, it was, he'd left us and then we played them and then he scored and cupped his ears to the, the Jackie husband, getting abuse from everybody, only for County to absolutely fuck it. Um, and then we beat them on an extra time. It's certainly a game that will never come back to haunt us in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, but no, You've got to take the victory. He said, imagine getting wide. To Gary Caldwell, Partick Thistle team, and fucking it. Like how how bad did you have to be? It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, so that, that was uh, uh, that was a uh, that was a fantastic game. But um, my my player that I picked was um, Dario Zanata. I think we've probably mentioned Zanata quite a few times on this, and I think every single person who has commented on Zanata said exactly the same thing. He was great at Livy, but he was quite old. And didn't really feel up for up for a fight. He'd done absolutely nothing. I think on his first game he scored against Air and it was quite a good goal. And then um, there was literally nothing after that. It, an absolute waste of a signing. Um, he's just he just wasn't it good anymore. Like he'd won the League Cup and stuff like Livy and you know had a good career, but by the time he got to us, he could not be asked and we could not be asked for him. So it was a match made in heaven, obviously. Uh, are you speaking about the the right player? Zanata. Ah, he never won a cup of Livingston. He was like twenty one when he was us. I'm th- oh, I'm thinking of Rafa De Vita. I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that must be xenophobic against like Italian names. I don't know if you want to keep this in because it's quite funny. But you you were sort of that's mixing in Zanata. <laughs> you were mixing in Zanata facts like he did score in his debut against Air and he was like like good but then couldn't be arsed but he didn't win the league for Livingston. He wasn't that old. So I was like, who the fuck's he talking about? Right. I the right. I'm, I'm, That's the question. I mean, it might, it might not, it might be better if I just don't say it. But um, yeah, it's that early. I mean, because he went on to play for there, didn't he? I remember, um, he, I, I remember, remember we had that weird uh, crossover uh, uh, period with like the Glasgow clan 
and the Glasgow Rocks and QP. I remember we went to a QP game and like cheap tickets because they were giving them away back when QP were gentlemanly poppers down in the peasant leagues. And, and then they were just like, oh, why do you go see QP? They're from the 1800s. It's like going to a museum. And then uh, we went along. But they, we done one with Glasgow clan and we sent some of the players along and it was like, three or four Thistle players going on to the ice like in the middle of like an important run and they're like oh my god how many injuries are we going to get from this because I think we'd already had an injury crisis that season like, he, he was highly sought after talent in Canada Um, I remember when we were in League One we had a guy on about East Fife who lived in Vancouver and knew Dario Zanata uh, because he had played with Vancouver Whitecaps I believe it was and um, he talked about how Dario Zanata he had great talent but maybe just didn't have the best head on him for making decisions like you know he'd he'd been sort of groomed to have a sort of role in the sort of youth set up in Vancouver and he said no I'm going to go make a star for myself elsewhere I'm going to go and make my own way and went to Scotland and turns out he he didn't really do that um but yeah it's an just it's not not great was he? he it really wasn't great he, did, he was a bit like, I think he's, the spittle comp's good because he had a, a, a couple of really good moments. That the, the goal he scored against, against Inverness in that 3-1 hole win was brilliant. But yeah, he didn't fancy it when we were struggling with our backs to the wall. He was he was not the player. And he was one with, with Scott Fox that invoked the release clause when we were demoted in the summer of 2020 to League One. But then saying, well in between spells that Aaron Wraith signed a two-year deal at Hamilton last summer and ended up in League One anyway, which is a real shame for him. He has won two Challenge Cups, though, with Wraith and Hamilton, so that's nice for him. Duncan, any memories as an actor in a Queen's Park shirt? Uh, yeah, I can't like, I have um, sorry, the Spittle comparison is kind of spot on because I usually have Queen's Park pretty fond memories of Zanata. Um, I guess, again, different level. He was with us down at League Two. A kind of struggling season. We had a few weird like loan signs back then. I'm pretty sure it was uh, around the seasons Eamon Brophy and Anthony Ralston also <laughs> came down on loan and were much better than Zanata. But he's not. He looked good at the time. Um, I think he was. That was his first possible loan away from Hearts. He was like 17 at the time. They were wrong there. But he, he looked electric. No one had figured out his uh, one move down the <laughs> down the flank yet. So especially like you know. Like down in League Two, defenders didn't really know what to do with a, a player with that much pace. So, yeah, yeah Bounce scored a, f- a couple of key goals. Hopefully, thought he actually might get into the the Harz team, but uh, obviously that's not happened. But he's, he seems to be doing all right. Maybe not as good as this, but he seems to have carved out a niche for himself in kind of lower championship, upper League One, the Challenge Cup kind of bracket, which isn't the worst career. But as as an aside, I. Mostly associated in that. And uh, do you guys have know like um, the, the Canada Watch account on Twitter? I'm not familiar no. with it, but I can imagine <laughs> it keeps popping up in my feed for whatever reason in this sort of thing. And it it just like watches it seems to watch every Canadian player in the world so much that it notes every time like a Canadian player in like Scottish League Two playing for like Elgin or something or someone even like <laughs> eligible for Canada comes on like they're going to be playing in the, the World Cup alongside the Magic right back or whatever it's actually and Daniel's in that keeps coming up on that every time he makes his like debut for a championship team he's leaving in six months <laughs> I just got to think of Daddy's I feel like the Canadian Ryan Gold 
You know how everyone goes up and we see if we just played Zanata, we'd we'd be in we'd be in the last sixteen of our old cup now. It's really good it's really good quality, actually. Didn't you see he scored two goals against Annan at the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, right, I, I need to ask, has he played for Morton? No. Like, he's the archetypal played for facilitator and Morton player. Because there's there's you know like McGinty and stuff like that all play if you play for two of them you have to play for the other, that's the rule. There's a law of the cinch. If you play for facilitator or Morton you need to play for the other two. Zanata will play at Morton. He is destined to do it. He is the most thistle air Morton player of all time. And he's not that good and can't really be arsed. Only when he's like 31, he's lost his leg, legs, and all he does is just kick people. That is when he'll be at Green at Morton. A rising star at Capital, a young upstart. David, do you want to have a guess uh, the game where Dario Zanata made his heart's debut? Was that against us? It sure was. The 31st <laughs> of October 2015, uh, when Hearts beat us 4-0 at Furhill, Ryan Scully was sent off and Ryan Stevenson ended up in goals. Oh my God, I remember this game. Christ, um, <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. It's the debut of Dario Zanata, a 17-year-old Dario Zanata there. Uh, Duncan, do you want to round us off on the players with maybe one that we, we're not going to look back on too fondly? Oh, I don't know about that. I always have a laugh when I look back at him. It's uh, Mr. Cameron Bell. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been told this has been spoken on about this, on this podcast before. I mean, I'll, I've, I've kind of, this is like, we, we got him at the end of his career and I was kind of, I'm going to try to kind of... I think every team did. I think every team he played for got him at the end of his career. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, you know, we were right at the end of his career because yeah, he retired here. So I was going to go for, to you for your kind of short memories of him so <laughs> what he did afterwards. first. I mean, my aim now is every time we do one of these pods and talk about notable players <laughs> to play for both teams, the bad one is always Cammy Bell. Or, or we're I not might, doing it. <laughs> I might start a, a running score of what I said more mentions, 9-11 or Cammy Bell. Well, honestly, um, see if anyone's playing Draw Lose or Draw Bingo, man. They're so close to house. They would Cammy Bell, 9-11, TARDIS. Yeah. I, I, Jerry Britton getting a bit of a slagging. They just need some like Greg's patter, and that, that's, that's the house. <laughs> I, I can't I've, wait got, I've got for... nothing else to say about Camabella I've not said before. <laughs> check, check I, I cannot tapes. wait for us to find out that he was actually a trialist for Arbroath or some team that he definitely did not play for that we can just crowbar him in in a future episode of this. Well, uh, Don, can you get anything else on Cammy well, Bell? I, I was, was, was going to kind of chart as well. His time at us is probably the best term. Because to say play for us is a stretch. Wikipedia and Transfer Mark seem to attribute one game then for us. I don't remember that at all. I'm pretty <laughs> confident he played a total of zero times for us. I was completely benched by Willie Muir despite his turning professional and spending all these on even guys like Craig Slayer and Simon Murray. Willie Muir just like kept his place because Cammy Bell was really a well, I mean, it was pretty good, and Cammy Bell was so rubbish. Um, but he must, must have got a Challenge Cup game or something like that, and we just had like one look at him and went, nah, mate, right? Even even you're playing, playing the Challenge Cup games, you're out. <laughs> but going back, I looked a bit on that article, and there's a, a record from before we signed him on the chase to sign a point where apparently we are in contention with Wraith and Barry Ferguson's Kelty Hearts to sign him. And I like you think. <laughs> Like if he if he was going to continue his career as a way, it would definitely Baza signing his old mate and giving him like thirty games a season. So that could have been completely different. 
I can't believe Cammy Bell didn't end up at Kelly Hearts. It's amazing, I know. I mean, <laughs> he must. Have, I mean, like he's seen Barry Ferguson's management style. It must have been too much even for him. I can't believe he didn't end up at Open Goal Broom Hill, to be honest. But um, well, it's still, it's still time. <laughs> he may come out <laughs> retirement. Well, maybe not. But um, <laughs> the heated race to sign Cammy Bell. We got there in the end. Played him once. Sat on a bench, and I'm pretty sure like the next news article after I was announcing signing him on the website is Cammy Bell retires <laughs> a year later. And I so I looked out, what where is he now? I kind of remembered what he did. He retired, and then he became director of football at Annan straight after. So that was that was very weird. Maybe one of the only times I've seen a goalkeeper uh, <laughs> director of football anywhere. But Smith and I'm going for can you imagine you're the manager of Annan and going to get your transfer policy signed off by Cammy Bell, handing him the clipboard as he drops it? Shooting out Stephen Swinglehurst over. They must have known that because apparently he resigned a year later. No surprises there. And I thought that was it. But five minutes just to end it. Before coming on this podcast, I thought I'll give him a search, see what's happening. So I saw an article from 28th of June this year. I won a league title with Rangers. Now I've got a new career running a glamping site. <laughs> it's not a lie. Mr. Cameron Bell, his new career. He also well, he also describes as a popular football pundit, which I could definitely. <laughs> apparently, he is running. Two pods near Annan, and they run a whole article advertising it about his thriving Airbnb business. He's doing well. Is he from Annan? I guess if my things were like Dumfries, he came up at Queen of the South, did he? I really, I really hope he's from like Peterhead or something. <laughs> he, does, he says in the article that he hopes he can boost tourism for Dumfries and Galway, so he must just be, he's doing it for the community, you see. He's doing it. <laughs> see, to be fair, like, our, our friend and colleague Alistair Crawford, if he heard that Cammy Bell was running a glamping site, he'd be straight down. He loves going to events run by shit ex-Rangers players. He can't get, <laughs> can't get enough of them. <laughs> Singing the sash over a campfire, I love this stuff. Right, I'm going to bring this in because we've gone we've gone for over an hour, and I want to talk about Queens Park. Uh, a couple of a couple of points. Obviously, don't buy the sun. Uh, and secondly, I want to say something nice about Cammy Bell because every time he gets mentioned, we just slag him. Um, Kept a clean sheet at Albion Rovers. He kept a clean sheet when we beat Albion Rovers 2-0. So well done for that, Cammy. Right. I, th- I think we bo- we got to organise a-, a trip down to some of those glamping pods, man. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely going to be a pod episode. I was going to go glamping in Cammy Bell's glamping site in Annan. A pod in Cammy Bell's pods. <laughs> but the fact... The problem is, is we turn up and we'd get like our pod gear out and we start taking voice notes. No, what are you doing? Oh, 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 we're recording a podcast. Oh, what are you called? We couldn't have Cammy Bell find out we have a podcast. That's yeah. that's dangerous. Yeah, I hope he doesn't know any uh, bad people. <laughs> right, we're bringing this in. Uh, Duncan, I want to know how Queen's Park fans are feeling at the moment. I'd say like a mixed start in the League Cup groups, but a very good start to the league. 
lots of off the field shenanigans with the the new stadium being sort of temporarily homeless for the last few seasons. What's the mood amongst Queens Park fans going into this season and with the start of mid? Uh, well, I'll I'll start with the positive first, which is mostly on the pitch, um, because it looks like yeah, it was a mixed league cup campaign. That was I think I was kind of seen as soon as we lost to Motherwell. Don't think it looked particularly bad in any of the first two games, but definitely seemed like we've got a very new team this season. Lots of, uh, and I mean we we bought Peyton. Other than that, we've got a few kind of untested guys from like Southampton and Brighton youth systems who seem to have like been released, and we thought. They look good onto the Buker system. We'll take a chance on them. And we've also promoted a lot of guys from our youth system. Um, like guys who are like 16, 17. And they all, I think they all look pretty positive to me so far. But definitely, especially with the League Cup, it's uh, still melding together. Especially, I mean, I know people are probably sick about hearing about the Queen's Park project right now. And every time I hear that term, I probably agree with them. But the on-the-pitch stuff, and I did specify the on-the-pitch stuff, it does seem to be like quite exciting. I like it. We've like you know promoting a lot of youth players. They all look good. It's like they seem to have drilled in a style to them from whenever you came in. Because um, one of the problems of the league cup and which seems to be paying dividends now is that they've drilled in a pass out from the back possession based system, which it takes a lot of time to master. But two wins in the league much more positive start than uh, I would have expected. I thought we might have to grow into it and uh, feel good on the pitch. Uh, complete contrast on the field. Don't know if it's, I think it's maybe from above Wauhoi, Liam Dempster below, who only seems to turn up when a BBC microphone's in her face and just lies. <laughs> or like yeah, David indicated, still the same kind of bowling club that didn't really run it well as a lead to the amateur, like being basically given a bunch of money. <laughs> Than exactly as expected. Other than Tommy Robson, obviously, who should this will be be looking out for on Saturday for how? Um, well, I I don't know if he'll still be here, but uh, Cal McKenna, uh, I think he's got a bit of buzz about him right now. He's a 16 year old keeper, absolute unlike most 16 year old keepers though, absolute unit. I think he's nearly as, as tall as Charlie Fox or like over a six foot centre back. Uh, he's quite commanding as well, like he's not shy about commanding his box. Really good. Uh, reflexes, great at passing from the back. Again, you can kind of tell it's been he's been told to do that from a young age. Uh, so no long punts, but despite the kind of heart racing style, it's, he's pretty good at getting past strikers and managing to get the ball out uh, to the flanks. And he's uh, yeah a bit of a, a sweeper, which I know you will like, Matt. He's a bit of a sweeper keeper as well. He often doesn't mind a, a wee run to the half like to to get a, get in with a passing. Uh, which again is very scary, but he seems to be quite adept to it. But he's, I think he's got record of report. He's got a, a bit of a buzz from like Brighton, look to be trying to make a deal for him. And if like Arsenal and Southampton are interested as well, that may be rumours, but it seems to be where he's, he's maybe off early, maybe coming back on loan, hopefully for a, a decent sale on Clause the Wonder, a, a good bit of money. I mean, if he's anything like current, uh, the last Brighton players to go, it could be like <laughs> changing. So. Can we get a, a score prediction and then a, a forecast for where you think Queen's Park will finish in the league at the end of the season as well? Um, it's interesting. I don't know. Like I would, have, I would have kind of taken a, a spirit and loss on this uh, in just a couple of weeks ago because this, I thought, 
you know, it seems to be a bit up and down. You had your financial woes, then you recovered, then you seem to be signing quite well, and then it's been a bit 50-50 in the results so far. I'll, you know, I'll I'll take a draw. I'll go a uh, high-scoring draw. Haven't had one of them yet in these fixtures. I'm going to go 4-4. Four, four. Frikey. I know. Bold. Uh, Heather Holloway's sounding a bit different tonight, David. <laughs> Uh, and uh, for a league position, you know, I was, I, I, I don't want to be tainted by the very positive start uh, too much. I'm, I'm a cynic at heart, so I'm, I'm going to say a nice, a nice even sixth. That the, this guy in the group chat, David, at the start of the year, we're chatting. Oh, I, th- I think we might come eighth. It was oh. the same last season, even when they were like scudding us at like Christmas. Oh, you know, I still don't know. We might not stay up, and they were like fucking five points clear. <laughs> and look how that turned out. Look how that went last January. I was kind of right. You came third. I mean, only because the rest of these were so rubbish to be. But that that is very bad. We completely collapsed in the last quarter season. And the fact that we weren't down and out by about the start of March is (laughs) indicative of both you, Dundee, and Air. Yeah, that that's fair. David, you've got anything else to add? I know we'll be back on Thursday with our preview and predictions, but have you got anything else to add to Duncan or to, to any Queen's Park fans that might be listening? Oh, lots, but um, no, we'll keep it with um, No, like, I, I, I like, I, I've always liked Queen's Park. They, they, they are in the same boat as us, basically. They're trying to find fans that are not Rangers or Celtic fans. So I have a lot of respect for Queen's Park. This is incredibly patronising part that I'm sure um, Duncan is very annoyed about. But no, I've got a lot of time for Queen's Park. Love their quiz night. Duncan turned up at our quiz night. So, you know, brothers in arms and weird pub quizzes and being quite having quite shy football teams. So, um, yeah, no, a lot lot of respect for Queen's Park. I, I just hope that they don't beat us. I've been going to the Queen's Park quiz since I was about 10, David, so, so the Rayburn clan owed me one there with Duncan turning up. So Really sorry about that again, Matt. Um, didn't mean to traumatise you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Right, we'll wrap it there because we've done well over an hour. Uh, Duncan and David, Duncan especially, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you if you've managed to make it this far into the podcast. You probably switched off somewhere. When, we were talking when I completed Devita and Zanata. <laughs> so maybe there, if David has kept in the Devita and Zanata mix up, he probably switched off there thinking, who are these clowns, uh, which would be valid. Can I just finish by reading this tweet, which I'm sure will amuse both of you? Tweeted at time of recording 42 minutes ago by at Clyde FC. Oh, full, full time, Clyde 1, University of Stirling 3. Incredible. Down they go. Enjoy Crown Point, lads. I, I just hope if anything can bring together QP and this support as this season, it is Clyde going to the Lone League. And we will be back on Thursday with our, our preview of the Queen's Park game predictions and a look back at the the game yesterday. If you're listening as soon as this pod comes out at Tynecastle, hopefully we've won. We've recorded it before time. Tynecastle, more time travel content. Sorry. But in the meantime, stay safe.